Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Warning. You're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, Sean Parnell. Welcome to Battleground Live, everyone. It is the 22nd anniversary of September 11th, a somber day indeed a day that changed the trajectory of this country forever. In an instant, thousands of lives were lost. Our our country, just so many things happened. We Our country would never be the same. But nevertheless, we're going to talk all about that today. Um, I want to thank you all for being with me. We're, this is our fifth week of the show. We couldn't be more proud uh, of the movement that we're building uh, and it makes this day so much, uh, almost more meaningful in a way that we get to talk about this together um, as a as a group, as a collective, as a unit, as a platoon. You're all members of Parnell's platoon, and I'm, I'm grateful to have you in the trenches with us today. Um, also want to thank Deep Well. They're the founding sponsor of this program. They're a great American company. Uh, filled with American patriots that believe in American energy independence, and they are hiring right now. So if you need a job, go to depotservices.com, check them out. They're an amazing, they're an amazing company. Uh, amazing, amazing company. So thank you, Deepwell, for believing in the show. And, and you've been with us since the very, very beginning, and we're so grateful. Um, September 11th. Um, my journey really to this spot started 22 years ago. And back then I was just a college kid and I was mostly just responsible for writing to pay, writing papers or getting to class on time. I got to say that the most important responsibility of, of the, of the day back then was trying to figure out how I was going to get my hands on beer that night. And then one morning I remember waking up in this rundown college apartment, laying flat on my back on this rundown college couch. I remember sitting up, the world was spinning. I had a splitting headache. I had the hangover of a lifetime littered on this carpet uh, all around me were crushed Iron City beer cans from the party the night before. Cigarette butts were lying everywhere. Um, I remember standing up and staggering over to the television set 
uh, I turned it on and I watched it flicker to life just in time to see an airplane crash into the World Trade Center. Um, I remember taking a few steps back and sitting on my couch, transfixed to those images of just raw horror as they engulfed our fellow Americans. Like many of you who experienced September 11th, I was I was scared. I mean, I I feel like I experienced a range of different emotions that day. I was afraid. I'm not afraid to admit that. I was angry. I didn't really know what was to come. And I think a great many things affected me in very deep and profound ways that day. So many things that I watched on on the television set. I mean, it was so crazy to me because even so many of the television anchors were just shocked by what was happening. I mean, how could you not be? Um, I remember people tumbling from those flaming towers and landing on the sidewalk and dying on national television. I remember people who were lucky enough to survive that fateful day stagger out of that wreckage, covered from head to toe in thick gray soot. The only thing you could see were bloodshot eyes and a thousand yard stare. Um, I think what affected me the most that day uh, really was how the first responders reacted. And I'm talking police officers, firefighters, or ordinary American citizens with no training whatsoever, who instead of running away from the flames that day, I watched one American after the next run headlong into them and storm into the wreckage and up the stairs in an attempt to save people that they've never met before in their entire life. And as many of y'all who are listening or who are watching know, Many of the people who ran into the flames that day never left them alive again, never saw their loved ones again, never got to hug their spouse or their mom or their dad or their children ever again. And really what I witnessed was an act of selflessness amongst that group of people that I had never witnessed in my life up until that very moment. And so when all this was happening, you have to keep in mind, I was... Jeez, I mean, I was early 20s, um, super naive, didn't really know what the heck I was getting into, but I knew that I wanted to be on the front lines of America's collective response. And you have to you have to think for me, I grew up in the 80s, uh, in the 90s, which by and large, I mean, outside of De Desert Storm and, and, you know, Panama and a couple of other places, it really was a time of peace in, in America. I mean. For goodness sake, even under Bill Clinton, we had, we were close to a balanced budget. I mean, it it was it was a time of peace and prosperity. I never thought in my lifetime that our country could be attacked like that. In fact, I would argue that nothing had ha nothing happened. We had never been attacked like that here in America. Boy, going all the way back to Pearl Harbor, and so I remember thinking often in the wake of those horrific terrorist attacks, what what is what is supposed to be my path? You know, what, you know, I feel like every college kid goes through this. You grad or, you know, you go through high school, you ask, what are you supposed to do with your life? Now, I don't come from a long line of military generals. I was just a city kid from Pittsburgh. I was born in Oakland, moved out to a suburb, um, had a great life. Your parents who raised me by and large taught me to love this country and appreciate where you come from and, and love your family. But I never really knew what I was meant to do. 
And I asked that question often, certainly through my senior year of high school, but on to college as well. And I remember I had changed my major a bunch. I mean, I was a elementary education major, but I didn't really feel like that was quite for me. And I changed to secondary education and then I just changed to history and psychology. And the point I'm trying to make is that I was a listless, missionless kid when September 11th happened. And I remember thinking as, as, I navigated through the trauma of that day. And by the way, I know that people who are watching and listening, You, I guarantee you, you all know if you lived through it, exactly where you were at that moment, no doubt in your mind. It's just because the trauma of that day, we all navigated it in different ways. It was seared into our very consciousness as American citizens in, in many ways. Um, but I remember thinking as we navigated that great crisis, <laughs> You know, thinking something that my mom said, Sean, the two most important days of your life are the day that you're born and the day that you figure out why. And in the wake of the most horrific terrorist attack in our nation's history, I, I believe I knew exactly why God had put me on this earth. And that was to serve something greater than myself. And, you know, I've talked about faith a couple of times on this program. And, you know, I, if, if you listen to me on the Wendy Bell radio show or maybe some other times during some of these broadcasts, you I you know, I, I wear a St. Christopher medal that my grandfather got, gave it to me the day he died. It sort of has a legendary or mythical quality in my family. And on the back, it says all my love. It was given to him by my grand, my grandmother, 12, 25, 1949. So on Christmas day in 1949, she gave it to him, still has the engraving right there on the back, but I wear it every day and I don't take it off. So religion and faith has always been woven into the fabric of my family. I mean, we're practicing Catholics, um, went to Catholic high school, went to Catholic college, but I mean, I've never, I feel like I'm not as religious as so, so many people that I know in my life. Um, but it, faith is always there and I'm a believer. And for whatever reason, I, in the wake of the most horrific terrorist attack in our nation's history, I just felt in my heart of hearts, in my soul, in the core of who I, who I am, who I was and who I was going to become that I knew exactly why God had put me on this earth. And that was to get in the fight. That was to serve this country. That was to protect this country. We had just been attacked by a great evil and I endeavored to be a part of our collective response to fight back against that evil. This was to be my moment. And frankly, as a young 20 something, I just believe that with the might and the power of, of, of the U.S. military at your back with that American flag on your shoulder that we could accomplish anything. And I remember two days after September 11th, I went down to the recruiter station and I said I wanted to join the, the Army and not just the Army. I wanted to be in the infantry so I could be on the front lines. And then I wanted to go to airborne school so the Army could teach me how to jump out of perfectly good airplanes. And I wanted to go to Ranger school because I knew it was the best leadership school that the Army had to offer. And I wanted to be the best leader that I could for my troops. And then I finally got my wish and got to do all that cool stuff. And I'm telling you, I, again, I'm not like this country guy. I didn't, I, again, I didn't come from a military family. Remember, I remember I brought a, I was so, so terribly prepared, what so lacking in my understanding of what this path would be like for me. I just knew I was meant to walk it. I didn't really know what I was going to experience, but I brought a freaking blow dryer and hair gel to basic training for goodness sake. Um, and believe me, I had a hell of a time when I was there when the drill sergeants found out about all that. <laughs> so to say all this, to say 
9-11, as horrific as that day was, it changed my life forever. But it wasn't just me. I wasn't the exception. I was the rule. In fact, thousands upon thousands of Americans raised up and, and volunteered to fight and serve this great country after that attack. And I mean, so many, I mean, I can tell you so many stories, uh, a guy, one of my squad leaders, Phil Baldwin had a great union job on the railroad. He was a Democrat. I remember having all of these political debates with Phil Baldwin. when We were in the platoon and we were on patrol or when we were back at the base, they were always cordial and, and fun. I think as, as in the way that iron sharpens iron, it, those debates made us sharper. Um, but he, after nine 11, he has left the $85,000 job on, on the, the railroad, a union job. He had wife, he had kids. He was in his upper 30s, so he was older, enlisted as a brand new private, sold some of his furniture just so he could make the trek after he graduated from basic training to Fort Drum, New York, where we were stationed. I was stationed in the 10th Mountain Division. And, and I'm telling you, uh, sacrificed a lot just to become an E1 nothing private where he was making 18 grand a year, but he experienced the same righteous indignation and anger after the attack that I did. We were just two of thousands upon thousands of Americans who did the same thing. And I have to tell you that the inspiration for me joining the military that day was our first responders. I, I just thought, I remember thinking to myself, how can I sit here and do nothing when ordinary Americans are, are giving everything for people that they didn't even know that they had never met before in their life? And, and I look back on that time and my time in Afghanistan, and I don't regret a second of it. I am proud of my service. We went to Afghanistan and we were thrown into the meat grinder, 16 months of heavy combat. Uh, we I led an infantry platoon called Outlaw Platoon. Um, our, nick our nickname was the Outlaws, but we, our mission was to find Osama bin Laden and close with and destroy the enemy. And that's exactly what we did. And we did it better than the enemy. We did it extremely, extremely well. Hundreds of direct fire engagements, 85% casualty rates. Some of my men were wounded twice, some three times. I was wounded myself, um, got blown up uh, three separate times in Afghanistan, once by a rocket propel grenade, twice by a mortar, and that a fracture in my skull. And ultimately, that's probably I, I make this joke often, but that's probably why I ran for office in the first place, just all the head injuries. But I look back on that time and I learned so many things um, during my time in the military. And is that the idea that, you know, you hear the theme play out, played out in all of these, whether it's military books, military TV shows, military movies, that great leaders are supposed to inspire their troops. But the reality is when I was boots on the ground in Afghanistan, surrounded by death and destruction every day, I realized that great people, great troops inspire their leaders. And that really has become the bedrock of my leadership philosophy from that moment, from that moment of time in Afghanistan moving forward. But the idea that a leader's job is to serve his people, not the other way around. Uh, and really that servitude and that dedication and that selfless sacrifice was at the core of all those first responders who ran into those buildings in the wake of the, that, that terrorist attack. And just to have the opportunity to serve this great country and be inspired by our first responders was, was the honor of a lifetime. Um, I think what comes right along just just as much it's like just as much important to me as 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 the fighting and and remembering and and endeavoring to never forget is making sure that 
our children understand what September 11th was all about. And, and the title of this episode is, is the complex legacy of September 11th, because here's, here's what I'd like to talk about, and we'll get into all sorts of stuff today, but uh, you know, obviously it's incumbent upon all of us. It's our duty and obligation to never forget those who lost their lives in the wake of September 11th. We should always honor and remember the heroes who responded, not the first, and I'm talking the first responders who ran into the flames that day. We should also remember the heroes who rose up to fight and volunteered to serve, knowing that they were going into the fray, that they were going into battle, that they lace up their boots and they carry a rifle and they wear that American flag on their shoulder. And they know that, you know, once they board that plane and their boots on the ground in combat, that they might have to come home in a body bag. Those people deserve our recognition and our gratitude and our appreciation. But I think it's also very, very important to remember and, and never forget you know, all of our government's failures in the wake of those 20 years, 22 years post 9-11, the lies, the security, the censorship state, the foreign policy failures, Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, Egypt, Syria. I mean, 9-11 gave birth to a lot of things. And when I, this is why when I led into the program, I said that 9-11 changed this country forever. Um, I mean, ultimately it put me on the path to serve this great nation and meet extraordinary Americans and, and go after the enemies of America. And believe me, the people that, that, that we took out, the people that we killed in Afghanistan. And by the way, I'm very proud that we we never hurt, harmed a single civilian. We took the fight to the enemy and we did a great job at it. And my soldiers inspired me every single day. And they were the best damn people that you'd ever have the opportunity to serve with. Um, I just, I feel like we've got to talk about all of it. And, but before we do that, I, I stumbled, I stumbled across um, something on Twitter by, I think, Lucas Tomlinson, who's a, a reporter on Fox News. And it was, it was children who were on flight 77, the airplane that crashed into the Pentagon. And, and I talk about, I mean, every time September 11th comes around, you know, I get asked to do lots of, of media appearances. And I was just on Kimberly Guilfoyle's show just before this, and we were talking about 9-11. Um, and all those years after 9-11 and, and, and talking to survivors and hearing their incredible stories of heroes who lost their life that day, I had never once heard of these young kids who lost their life on flight 77. So I want to show you their picture. I'm just going to read you their names so that they're in your head, in your mind and in your hearts today as you, you reflect in the way that you, you deem most appropriate. So let's go ahead and put the first picture up there. This is Rodney Dickens. He was 11. Um, the next picture is Asia Contum. She was also 11. Uh, the next picture is a kid is a, kiddo named Bernard Brown. He was also 11. These three were selected by National Geographic to fly to California to study the ocean. And it was their very first plane ride. Um, Dana Falkenberg, who is three, see her right there, that little one, and her sister, Zoe Falkenberg, who were eight, they were also perished on flight 77. You know, it's so hard. I thought a lot about this today. And what it must have been like for the parents who were not only grappling with 
the horrific nature of a terrorist attack that killed thousands of Americans on American soil, but also the idea and fear that your child could be a part of it and, and ultimately didn't survive. It's just something that it's hard as a parent of five children to wrap your mind around how difficult that uh, and difficult just does not, it uh, word just feels so inadequate, but it's amazing to me that after 22 years and talking about 9-11 as much as I have in my life, that for whatever reason, you know, I didn't hear about those little ones who lost their lives. And there are more. There are stories of more of them. But I just wanted to share that with you as, as you as you honor 9-11 in, in your own way. Um, you know, every president has observed 9-11 uh, at one of the terror targets or at the White House. So whether they were either at ground zero, they were either at the Pentagon, they were at Shanksville, or they were at the White House doing some sort of commemoration ceremony. But not Joe Biden. And in fact, ju- I mean, just before we went live today, I saw this uh, breaking news just uh, come across the Associated Press, which again, not, not exactly a conservative outlet, um, but I saw this come across. So get this. This comes out today. Biden administration clears the way for the release of five American citizens detained in Iran by issuing a blanket waiver for international banks to transfer six billion in frozen Iranian money and agreeing to release five Iranian citizens. So we did a prisoner swap. We got Americans back. I mean, that's a great thing. But. We traded, it says, of course, the Associated Press says five Iranian citizens. You know that that's not true. You know that the people that they were, that, that we, that we were forced to release in this swap, because really it wasn't a five for five swap. We transferred them $6 billion from international banks and money that cannot be sanctioned because right now Iran's being sanctioned right now by the international community uh, and America. So this money that we just transferred them, $6 billion, with a B. Cannot be sanctioned. So we we so sure as heck wasn't an egalitarian swap five for five. No, we gave him six billion an unsanctionable. I don't even know if that's a word, but in money that cannot be sanctioned. And this news came out on September 11th. You know, folks, it just kind of makes me wonder if all this is just deliberate. Is it? Does Joe Biden really hate this country so much that? This story would break today in the Associated Press of all days. It sure as hell seems like a slap in the face. I can't imagine anything like this happening under President Trump. Can you? I can't. Nobody messed with that guy. But every president has observed 9-11 at at one of the terror targets or at the White House, uh, except Joe Biden. He is in Alaska right now. And it's unfathomable to me as an American president to not be at ground zero. But I I have I have to say I think that this was a deliberate decision by his staff. So a couple things on this. One, I think that they saw Joe Biden in Maui who is an abject disaster responding to those wildfires. I mean, he was saying just some crazy crazy stuff showing a shocking, just a shocking lack of empathy there, whether he was talking about, oh, look how hot the ground is to, 
Oh, how he knows and understands what it's like to lose loved ones in a wildfire because he almost lost his family cat one day in a 67 Corvette when lightning, when lightning struck his house and almost burned his house down. But, oh, it wasn't it, it, that didn't actually happen. It was just a small fire in the kitchen that was contained after 20 minutes or how he knows what it's like to experience loss because his son, Bo, died in Iraq, although Bo didn't die in Iraq. He tragically died at home from cancer. I mean, so like the guy's just not there. And so instead of sending Joe Biden, do you know who the White House sent? Do you know who the the, the people behind the curtain sent to 9-11? Kamala Harris. Do you remember what I told you last week? Remember the clip that I showed you of Gavin Newsom saying that he wasn't going to run because it just wasn't his turn. And I think in a show, I think on Wednesday last week, I said that I, I've got sources inside the Biden White House that are saying that he's deliberating, trying to figure out if he's going to run. He's going to wait to the last possible second. He's going to let Kamala Harris step in and hand, just step into the infrastructure, step into the role so that nobody else, no other opponents can react. They won't have time to stand up you know, a campaign committee, hire the staffers, raise the money, all that. You remember that? Kamala Harris is attending 9-11 ceremony at Ground Zero, not Joe Biden. Again, I think it's because they didn't want the image of Joe Biden shuffling around like an animated corpse, you know, trying to tell survivors of September 11th or people who had lost loved ones on that horrific day, trying to say to them, well, I know what it's like to lose somebody. I almost lost my cat. Like, can you imagine? So if we if we all believe and I know that we do, because if you lived through September 11th, you all remember that day. It doesn't matter, Democrat or Republican, in in the wake in the wake of September 11th. In the wake of September 11th, we were united in a way that this country had never hadn't seen before in quite some time. I mean, you even had guys like Steve Buscemi, um, you know, a famous Hollywood actor, you know, coming back and working for the fire department that he that he was once a part of just working around the clock in the wake of the disaster, just doing everything he could to help. I and mean, we were united. So my point is, I'm saying all this to say every American remembers what happened in and and after the horrific terrorist attack of 9/11 every american remembers the unity that 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 this country experienced after 9/11 and the last thing that the biden administration wants and the people behind the curtain that are pulling this animated corpses strings are horrible press while this guy shuffles around aimlessly i mean think about this he was just in a very controlled environment for a medal of honor ceremony where he had 100 staff around him All he had to do was stand on that stage, read scripted remarks, and hang a Medal of Honor around this Vietnam War hero's neck. That's all he had to do. But somehow Joe Biden manages to meander, not like just shuffle like Mr. Burns out of this ceremony in the middle of the ceremony while music was still playing. You even had journalists looking at him, mouths agape, eyes wide, like what the hell is going on here? So even in a controlled environment like that, Joe Biden is just, he's just gone. They, 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 can you imagine how terrible the imagery would be of Joe Biden at ground zero or at the Pentagon at Shanksville, just meandering around a memorial saying something stupid, some off color remark or, or, or worse, what he always does ends up snapping at people, pointing at someone, calling someone a name. He's a really terrible He's a really terrible person made worse by the f- dementia or whatever the hell he's got going on up here, which isn't a whole lot. So I think they want Joe Biden as far away from the 
memorials as humanly possible. You know what's what else is is that there are nearly this doesn't get often this doesn't get talked about enough and and it and it sickens me that you know here 22 years after September 11th Joe Biden had an opportunity or at least maybe Kamala has an opportunity to talk about the 10,000 first responders on or near the World Trade Center site 10,000 people have cancer over 5,000 have died from World Trade Center uh, related illnesses more people have died and will continue to die from the effects of the attacks than those who perished in them so this is from this Daily Mail article. It talks about you know, how dare Joe Biden not be remembering 9-11 at one of the sites. Said it remains a national crisis, not that the Biden administration treats it as such. You know, I say this often, but Joe Biden is the commander in chief of the United States military. He's the commander in chief of our country. Commander predisposes that to not show up, to not participate. And, and some sort of remembrance ceremony physically is a direct affront to those who lost their lives. It's a direct uh, affront to the survivors who who are doing everything they can to keep the legacy of their, their loved ones who they lost on that fateful day alive. It's a direct affront to the military servicemen and women who rose up to fight and those who never came home and their families who sacrificed so much supporting them for the commander in chief to be completely MIA. And then to add the Associated Press article coming out today with the active words, it doesn't say that Iran pushed this. It says Biden administration clears the way for the release of five American citizens detained in Iran by issuing a blanket waiver for international banks to transfer six billion. <laughs> this so this discussion with Iran happened last week. Now the Biden administration didn't didn't bother to tell Congress and they specifically chose today to release this. Third reason why I think they're keeping Biden far away from September uh, from the September 11th Memorial Day. So I've given you three re- this will be the third reason. September 11th and what happened on September 11, 2001 is inextric- it's inextricably tied to Afghanistan and the single greatest foreign policy failure of of the Biden administration was the surrender in Afghanistan the man had a full year to prepare for it all his all everyone knew i mean i said on Tucker Carlson leading up to the surrender in Afghanistan when general milley was talking about white rage i've said sure as hell better be thinking about a responsible drawdown in Afghanistan because that's coming soon and it doesn't seem like the military has any plan. Sure as hell, Biden administration didn't have any plan for it either. We saw the disastrous consequences play out before our eyes in Afghanistan, where you had helicopters trying to rescue people off the roofs, people trapped at Abbey Gate, people throwing their babies up, trying to throw their babies up over the wall, thousands, tens of thousands of people crammed in and around the perimeter, desperate to get out. 13 Americans killed. We killed an Afghan family in a drone strike and lied to the American people and said that it was a suicide bomber. Some of the babies that were try- that, that Afghan families were so desperate to give to the Americans so that they could escape the clutches of the Taliban. Some of the babies got caught up in the concertina, in the concertina wire and in the barbed wire up on top of the fence. This stuff isn't talked about. But you need to hear about it on days like today because Joe Biden, is he's responsible for all of it. And so all of that imagery, right, all of that imagery of the surrender of Afghanistan and the affront to the to the blood and and the sweat and the sacrifice and the tears that Americans had had bled the ground red in Afghanistan for 20 years. Biden threw it all away on a whim because he just wanted out. No plan. 
in fact, no plan whatsoever, completely the opposite of what President Trump wanted to do, by the way, because the media loves to, hey, look, well, President Trump wanted to get out of Afghanistan too, remember? Uh, yeah, well, President Trump had a plan. He had a responsible plan that drew us down in phases. Biden just snapped his fingers and said, oh, yeah, we're getting out. And oh, by the way, Biden said, hey, we're not just going to get out. I mean, so again, Joe Biden is just the worst. And you, so you look at what happened in Afghanistan, how it's inextricably tied to September 11th. Three, those are, that's why I think the Biden administration staff wants him nowhere near anything that's what's happening today. I mean, no doubt in my mind that they don't want horrible optics or imagery of Biden going into, you know, an, an election year where President Trump is. It's just defying all the odds and trouncing Biden, even in national election polls, and even among swing state polls. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, so so the the collapse of of the World Trade Centers and, and that attack, I want to segue to the next topic here, um, spawned some of the most destructive foreign policy in our nation's history. It spawned the Patriot Act. It spawned warrantless surveillance, decades-long conflict in Iraq and Afghanistan. Now, keep in mind, think about this. It's not just, it's not just about what happened and the, the, the horrific stuff that happened on 9-11. It's it, the fact that our own government used that to push the Patriot Act, which was the essentially domestic surveillance on American citizens. And I have to tell you, Look, all cards on the table. When they were ramming this stuff through, I was in my early 20s, like I told you, full of piss and vinegar, put me on the front lines. I want to fight and go after the enemy and blah, blah, blah. Oh, the Patriot Act? Hell yeah, we should support the Patriot Act. It's called the Patriot Act. Okay. So now having grown up a little bit, at least give me credit in my youth for at least that I, I was a patriot that loved this country. I was also conservative. You know, many parents have the, you know, there's that old Winston Churchill quote. Um, of it, What is it? If you're, if you are a, if you are a, if you're 18 and you're not a liberal, you don't have a heart. Or if you're in their thirties and you're not a conservative, then you don't have a brain. See there, I got it. <laughs> but, but at least I was conservative in my youth. Um, but my, my point is, is that, I I said, okay, yeah, I support the Patriot Act. Let's do it. I mean, now that I'm a little bit older, I realize that anytime they name bills in this country, whether it's the Patriot Act or the Affordable Care Act or the Inflation Reduction Act, anytime they name bills like that, you should just generally believe they do the exact opposite of what they're named to do. Of course, the Inflation Reduction Act didn't reduce inflation and drove it through the roof. Of course, the Affordable Care Act didn't make health care better. It made it a hell of a lot worse and drove costs through the roof. Of course, the Patriot Act had very, very little to do uh, with, with patriots <laughs> or anything to do with patriotism. So um, I, I'm telling you all this because. I supported it and I was wrong to do it back then. I was in my early 20s. I thought it would help us hunt down terrorists. Now you look at how the Patriot Act is being used. It's being used to spy on American citizens. The Patriot Act and, and the, 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 the these FISA warrants and domestic surveillance is what gave way to spying on President Trump's campaign, who was the leading candidate for president. Actually, he was the Republican nominee. That's how they spied on him. 
And this this warrantless surveillance gave way to this massive censorship state of big tech colluding with our intelligence community to censor wrong think and ultimately ending up with censoring conservatives and anyone that disagrees with the regime's preferred narrative. And ultimately, this gave way to now the Democrats, because they have this immense power of the intelligence community at their back and their and their their plan, their goals, their initiatives are all aligned. They have the muscle of the intelligence community behind them. They're using that power now through lawfare and other mechanisms to jail their political opponents. It's what they're doing with Donald Trump and the 18 defendants in Georgia and what they're doing to Steve Bannon and Peter, Peter Navarro and all the January 6th prisoners. You see, you see what happened from the passing of the Patriot Act and all the dominoes that fell since, right? I mean, it's clear as day. And then you look at the foreign policy with what we call today like neoconservative foreign policy, which to me, again, 20-something kid, I used to believe this stuff. I couldn't have been more incorrect. But again, forgive me, I was young. Now I see that the, the deployment of American power all around the world, being the world's police, my God. It's, it's, it's disastrous. Look what happened in Afghanistan. I just talked about the surrender. 20 years of blood, treasure, trillions of dollars, thousands of Americans dead, tens of thousands wounded, million Iraqis dead, or million Afghans dead. And then talk about Iraq. At war in Iraq, thousands of Americans dead, tens of thousands wounded, a million Iraqis wounded. We pulled out of Iraq. It get, left a vacuum in that country. It gave rise to ISIS. ISIS then rampaged all across the Middle East. A, a trail of death and destruction in their wake. We created that. Also, the de deposing Saddam Hussein in Iraq on the false premise of weapons of mass destruction. Somehow we ended up invading Iraq after 9-11, and 9-11 was used as a pretext for that. The false premise of, of weapons of mass destruction to depose Saddam, not only was that a lie, but deposing Saddam created a void of strength in Iraq, which gave rise to the Iran threat that we face today which then Obama somehow parlayed into the Iran nuclear deal, which paved the way for one of the most dangerous threats to America to get a nuclear bomb. All of this was made positive through neoconservative thinking. Or how about in Egypt, where he deposed the autocrat there, or Libya with Gaddafi? Hillary Clinton killed Muammar Gaddafi. And you think about, <coughs> you think about that and what that meant. This is where I always say that the devil that you know, in some cases, as far as foreign policy goes, is better than the devil that you don't. And so a good example of that, a more recent example of that is when you had, when, when the left and the media were celebrating this uprising within Russia and, oh, they're going to take out Putin and it's going to be, well, you don't know that. The person that takes over for Putin could glass Ukraine in an instant and escalate and start a nuclear war. That's what I mean by the devil that you know is better than the devil that you don't. And what happened in Libya was removing Muammar Gaddafi gave rise to all of these different terrorist factions in Libya that are still fighting to this day. We tried to do it with Assad in Syria. They're still in the grips of civil war. And within a year of the tragedy and travesty that happened in Afghanistan, 
the neocons and the military industrial complex and the intelligence community and Republicans and Democrats on the Hill are clamoring for another war in Ukraine. Only this time, that war will be far more devastating than the ones in Iraq and Afghanistan. Somehow, those wars were horrific. Those wars changed people's lives forever. I was a part of the one in Afghanistan. My unit specialized in Afghanistan. I've lost 30 of my friends in that country. For what? I don't know. I'm proud of my service in Afghanistan. And I'll tell you all, if this country, our America, was ever threatened, a freedom was ever threatened here, I would rise up to defend this country, be the first in line to volunteer to, to, to defend it. Send me. I'll be there. But what happened in Iraq and what happened in Afghanistan, these forever wars and what's happening in Ukraine, and if you think that American troops won't, won't be on the battlefield of Ukraine in the next year, maybe two years, I got another thing coming. Because that is the that is an end state that is barreling towards us like a locomotive train. What's happening in Ukraine right now is the first of all, the Ukrainian military is not faring well, despite over $100 billion of US taxpayer money being spent to prop up the Ukrainian military and actually pay for Ukrainian bureaucrat pensions. They're not faring well on the battlefield. There's just going to be a stalemate. The end result will be American troops on the battlefield if we don't elect President Trump and so, or someone, but preferably President Trump, to pursue peace there. My point is, is that in the way you can't, when you talk about the complex legacy of September 11th, what I'm asking you all is to not just never forget all the people who lost their lives. Never forget those who rose up to defend us. But we, we have to remember everything in totality because those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it. And 9-11 changed everything. And you look at how the Democrats now, I mean, the Democrats are, are sickening in so many ways. I'm just getting a note here that somebody, somebody gave 50 bucks in the chat. Uh, first of all, thank you so much. Um, that's going right back into building a studio. As I tell you all during every show, everything that we get goes directly into building a new studio, which is going to make this, this show so much better for you. Um, and if you're watching right now, please hit the little like button to rumble. Rumble notices that stuff. It helps us get noticed. It helps drive advertising to the show. And they're starting to notice us, which is really exciting. And that is made possible beca because of all of you. And you know, when I do this show, I talked about uh, trying to figure out how exactly I was going to approach 9-11. And obviously, I told you a little bit about my personal story in serving in Afghanistan, but I want to give you everything, warts and all, because I want you to I want you to have the truth and have the facts. And what I often say is so you could stand on that pillar of truth and fight back against the radical left's lies and, and the fake narratives of the deep state and fake news that is foisted upon us every single day. And so for those of you, you know, throwing money in, in the chat, thank you all so much. You don't have to do that, but we're great. So grateful for it. Um, and that ultimately this is, this is your show. I also want to just thank very quickly, um, Cabot guns. They make the best 1911 pistols in the country. They're in a, all hundred percent made in America. Um, they're also hiring right now. So if you need a job, go check out Cabot guns, look at their website. They've got, they've got little shops and stuff all over the country. They're a nationwide uh, company, not just here in Western Pennsylvania. So go check them out. Um, 
But back to talking about September 11th and how the left perverts the memory. First of all, Joe Biden insults the memory of the fallen and those who rose up to serve after September 11th by not even bothering to attend a memorial ceremony. In fact, the White House was asked about it like, hey, why is Joe Biden not attending a memorial ceremony for September 11th? And and the response was, well, you know. No one was visiting Pearl Harbor after 22 years of that. JFK visited Pearl Harbor on its 22-year anniversary. So these people are all mouth breathers. These people, they don't study history. Our viewership, we we do. We're not going to make the same mistakes of the past. That's what we're committed. We're committed to setting a path forward here in America that is rich with opportunity for our children and our children's children. And we do that by approaching things honestly clear-eyed, forward-looking, not being afraid of being canceled, not being afraid to stand up to the radical left and defend the constitution of this country. Now, the left perverts everything and they destroy everything that they touch. But I find it unbelievably insulting when the left compares things to September 11th. You saw that with, with Peter Strzok. He said, he said, if if you look at the scale in terms of a threat to democracy, I mean, 9-11 was a tragedy. We lost thousands of lives in a horrific way. We still mourn to this day. But when you look at something that is an attack on democracy, something that could actually bring about a fundamental change to American governance as we understand it, 9-11 is nothing compared to January 6th, struck, told MSNBC's Nicole Wallace. Now, of course, mouth-breathing Nicole Wallace, who, by the way, was a Republican consultant. Like, go figure. Maybe this is why most of our Republican candidates totally suck, because they hire people like Nicole Wallace to give them advice. But that statement is so disgusting. It's a slap in the face to everybody who lost their lives, everybody who rose up to fight. January 6th, the only people that lost their lives were people who were mostly peacefully protesting that day. Congress was back to work in two hours. But it's not just FBI lackey Peter Strzok that is comparing 9-11 to other things in a very inappropriate way. It's also cockling Kamala Harris. She does the same stuff. I've got a video for you. I want you to check this out. Watch. Not only a place on our calendars, but a place in our collective memory. December 7th, 1941. September 11th, 2001, and January 6th, 2021. None of those things even live in the same world in terms of size and scope of tragedy. But the de- that doesn't stop any of these radical leftists from doing it. Truth doesn't matter. This is why I want you to focus on this, people. You're, you're, you're in the trenches with me. You're in the platoon. This is why they change language. This is why they're tearing down statues of our history. They're trying to re- trying to rewrite history. They're, they're banking on you not knowing the truth. They're banking on no one having a show like this and having the gumption to say, ah, Kamala, you're a freaking idiot. No, those things aren't even close to the same, and I'm not going to have a country. Yeah, yes, you have a right to be an idiot. You have a right to say those things, and I'll defend to the death your right to say them. But you are a moron for comparing January 6th to 9-11 in Pearl Harbor. They don't belong in the same conversation. You should be ashamed of yourself. In fact, 
I'm telling you, when you hear people making these comparisons, you've got to call it out when you see it. You, you cannot afford to be the silent majority anymore. These people are rewriting our history, changing the definition of words. Up is down, down is up, freedom is slavery, and the only thing standing in their way is you. Should not tolerate this insanity anymore. And we talked about how September 11th, in, in many ways, uh, became a precursor for the Patriot Act, and the Patriot Act was used to do lots of terrible things. This isn't just me speculating. These Democrats, with the power of the federal law enforcement and intelligence community at their backs, they're doing all sorts of things and testing the waters to suspend your freedom and, to, and to suspend your constitutional rights, which, by the way, which, by the way, are not bestowed upon you by government. They are bestowed upon you by our creator. The rights that are protected and enshrined in the Constitution of the United States are given to us by God and not government. So it's particularly egregious to me that the Constitution is just a piece of paper to many of these communist Democrats. Look no further than New Mexico. New Mexico governor suspends Second Amendment. The governor of New Mexico has just declared the First and Second Amendment does not exist due to an emergency. So really, is there a constitutional right? Now, this is a rhetorical question. Is there a constitutional right that the left won't trample? When you look at the First Amendment, you look at freedom of religion and assembly outlawed by COVID, lockdowns, freedom of speech was trampled by the White House, big tech, uh, media, collusion to silence dissent. You remember at the height of COVID when they locked us all down, they forced your business to close, they forced you to drain your savings accounts, forced your loved ones to die alone. Um Again, I've said this before and I'll say it again, but Richard Levine, who's the health secretary here in Pennsylvania, knew that COVID was coming from Seattle, knew that it disproportionately affected the elderly. Uh, when Richard Levine found this out, removed his, removed his own mother from a nursing home, left everybody else languished to die. You remember all of this where they forced churches to close, but they let strip clubs and, and, and bars or they let strip clubs and liquor stores stay open. You remember all of this? Absolutely horrific. So this this woman suspended, this governor of New Mexico suspends the Second Amendment of people who are lawfully licensed to both conceal carry and open carry just because of crime. So I I got this, I, I got this video. I think I've got this video of the governor um talking about you know her perspective on um on why she's doing what she's doing. And I want you to hear it, how, how absurd it is. Check this out. Listen to what she has to say. Yeah. You took but oath. your point is valid. You took an oath to the Constitution. Isn't it unconstitutional to say you cannot exercise your, your carrying license? With one exception. And that is, if there's an emergency, and I've declared an emergency for a temporary amount of time, I can invoke additional powers. No constitutional right, in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute. There are restrictions on free speech. There are restrictions on my freedoms. In this emergency, this 11-year-old and all these parents who have lost all these children, they deserve my attention to have the debate about whether or not in an emergency we can create a safer environment. Because what about their constitutional rights? I took an oath 
to uphold those two. And if we ignore this growing problem without being bold, I've said to every other New Mexican, your rights are subrogated to theirs. And they are not, in my view. Uh, wait a minute, okay. you said about crimes. There are already laws against the crimes, so how are their rights? I got it. But, but again, if I'm unsafe, who's standing up for that right? If this climate is so out of control, somebody should do something. I'm doing as much as I know to do. Madam yep. do you really think that criminals are going to hear this message and not carry a gun in Albuquerque on the streets for 30 days? Uh, no. But here's what I do think. It's a pretty resounding message. Uh, no, no, criminals, governor, are not going to listen to your bullshit message. In fact, you it just makes me so angry because you are disarming the law-abiding. The only thing that you do when you punish law-abiding citizens like this is you make them victims. You make it more likely that criminals will prey upon them. That's why the vast majority of these tragic mass shootings happen. Where do they happen? On gun-free zones. Why? Because they're weak targets. They don't expect any resistance. The, the, the philosophical underpinnings of disarming law-abiding citizens or saying that society is guilty because a criminal commits a crime is a perverted way of looking at anything, especially in a place like really anywhere. Well, how about this? At a time where our borders are completely open, which is especially relevant to somebody in New Mexico because they're on the front lines of that stuff. Where the threat of asymmetric terror, we've caught more people or more people have crossed into our country that have been on FBI wanted list this year than at any other time in our history. But the New Mexico governor, especially in the midst of a crime wave by her own admission, wants to disarm law abiding citizens. And not only that, she admits herself that criminals won't follow the law. So why <laughs> these people, when you talk about them being mouth breeders, we have got to do a better job at, and I don't care what, where you're, I don't care politics, Democrat, Republican, it does not matter. I mean, what does matter, I'm a conservative, but look, my God, I could foresee myself. You look at a guy like RFK. Um, there are lots of different ways that, that I'm sure we disagree on a great many things, but I could at least see me meeting in the middle on, on some things with him. He seems like a pragmatic, common sense guy, but these Democrats like this governor in, in New Mexico, they don't give a damn about the constitution. They worship the state. They want power. They worship power. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And, and these these people, I'm telling you right now, they saw that their emergency powers worked in COVID and they're testing the waters for something a little bit more. This whole the whole idea of incrementalism, like we just take a little bit of your freedom at a time. No, at some point we have to say there's not a you're not going a damn step further. No, <laughs> my rights aren't given to me by you. They are bestowed upon me by our creator. Well, the people of New Mexico are not taking this laying down. For those of you all who are listening, uh, the next video is going to be a, a group of New Mexico citizens who are protesting and open carrying uh, in 
in not complying with this unconstitutional edict. Check this out. You'll love it. Crime is riddled, and all we want to do is protect our families, our friends, our communities. I've gone on two combat tours with the Marine Corps and fought on the front lines. I've done 11 trips as an independent contractor. She thinks she has the right to take away my freedom and protect my community. I don't think so. This will not stand. We will not comply. Oh, don't you just love that? This will not stand. We will not comply. I'm telling you, they're going to try these lockdowns again, too. And that, that what that combat veteran just said, that needs to be your response. Do not let these psychopaths in government, these communist Democrats, disarm you. That's the line. That's the last line of defense for all of us. The left likes to make it seem like, oh, the Second Amendment is about hunting. That's complete bullshit. Again, excuse my language. But as I say in every show, this country stands on the very thin line between hope and darkness. The Second Amendment is about protecting your family. It's about it's about protecting yourself from government. That I'm sorry, that might be an unpopular, unpolitically correct stand, but, but that's exactly what. The Second Amendment is for protecting liberty from tyranny. Do not, do not, do not ever allow yourself to be disarmed by depressive government. Can't do it. And I'll tell you what, law enforcement in Mexico, in New Mexico, are standing up to this too. And I'm telling you, it inspires me because people are waking up. You know, the, the left pushes us and pushes us and pushes us and try to strip one freedom away after the next. Again, using this, and guys, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Just a little more, just a little more. Hell no. Check out what this uh, New Mexico sheriff had to say about whether or not he was going to enforce this unconstitutional edict. Let me be clear. I hold my standards high. And I do not, or never will, hedge on what is right. And I take my oath seriously. In reference to concealed carry and open carry, the Bernalillo County Sheriff's Office will not enforce this segment of the order. While I understand the urgency, the temporary ban challenges the foundations of our Constitution, but most importantly, it is unconstitutional. My oath was to protect the Constitution and that is what I will do. His oath is to protect the Constitution, and that is what I will do. Hell yes. Kudos to that sheriff. That's exact. We need a million more just like him in this country. Because the Constitution of this country, when I, I, I rose my right hand after 9-11, I took an oath to protect and defend this country against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That oath was to the Constitution. It's lifelong. Its constitution is not just a piece of paper. That's the only thing that protects us. It's a contract that limits the size and scope of the federal government. It's a contract that limits the authority of, of the federal government in your life. And this show is all about protecting it. You know what? The people are so sick of this authoritarian creep in their government. And I think this is part of the reason why people are gravitating to Trump. They, they remember what their life was like under President Trump. And I think they want that back. Um, and this is why Trump gets stronger every single time they go after him with this weaponized justice system. Trump was in Iowa this weekend. He was at the Iowa-Iowa State game. And I'm telling you, I mean, I've got videos of, of all this stuff. I think I'm just going to skip skip all of them um, and just tell you about them. But 
this guy showed up to crowds that were unbelievable. He's like signing footballs. He's throwing footballs out. College kids are cheering for him. I mean, Trump has the youth vote. If you just got to get these kids registered, got to get them, got to get them turned out. And he's got the youth vote. He's got people that love people love this guy. Signing footballs, throwing to people, walking through the crowd, shaking hands. I mean, everywhere he went, he was surrounded by over a thousand people. He, the man is loved. Do not believe this media narrative. I say at every show that he cannot win. Do not believe this media narrative that that he is not adored. Yeah, of course there are always going to be crazy people in this country that don't like President Trump. Okay, they're 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 the loudest. 20 percent of this country, they're they're loud. They scream at the rooftops. Most of these stupid people have national TV shows and platforms where they can talk to millions of people. Don't believe those people. This man. I know the Trumps and I know President Trump. This man loves this country. And what they're doing is taking a toll on him. It is. I know. It's tough. I've talked to I've talked to Don about this. You know, Don's tough too. He makes light of it, but what they're doing to this man is taking a toll on him and his family. It's not right, but it seems like President Trump, I talked about God a couple times in the show. It seems like I don't know. He he could take more shots than most people I've met in my life. He He's tough as nails, but even he gets emotional from time to time. And I want you to watch this video of, of Trump getting emotional uh, in his closing remarks in South Dakota, because I think what President Trump is seeing is, is what we're all seeing and feeling as well, is that America, if we don't rise up and, 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 and take this country back in 2024, we might lose it. Check this video out of, of President Trump in, in South Dakota and help build America into the greatest nation in the history of the world. Folks, he realizes it, that we have to fight for this country. Thousands of men and women rose up after 9-11 to fight for this country. We have to do right by their sacrifice. They fought for the Constitution. They fought for this country. They fought for our freedom. We have to do right by them and fight for our country to make sure that that sacrifice was worth it. And just before this show started, I stumbled across this video um, of on MSNBC of them reading an excerpt from President Trump's book in a book that came out in 2000. You got to see this. Um, just, just check this out. BuzzFeed dug up an old quote from Donald Trump talking about a large-scale terror attack 19 months before 9-11. In his 2000 book, The America We Deserve, Trump wrote, 
I really am convinced we're in danger of the sort of terrorist attacks that will make the bombing of the 1993 Trade Center look like little kids playing with firecrackers. Trump also mentioned the mastermind of the attack, writing, quote, one day we're told that a shadowy figure with no fixed address named Osama bin Laden is public enemy number one and U.S. jet fighters lay waste to his camp in Afghanistan. He escapes back under some rock and a few news cycles later, it's on to a new enemy and a new crisis. Trump. Wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait. Mm-hmm. Okay, hold yeah. on a second. Mm-hmm. Is this really Trump before 9-11? Have you read this? It's 2000 in his book. Are we making this? Somebody, did you Nick. make this up, Mika? <laughs> Nick. I did. Did you Just make this up? Yeah, Nick, exactly. tell us it's over, right? Because Will you stop? about everything. Mika, stop. God. I think it's over. What's, that, what's the rage here? Will you stop No, it's cute. On I think it's cute. Well, go for it. Really quickly, though. I mean, so, Willie, that was... 2000. 2000. In a book he wrote in the year 2000. Yeah. Well, it was published in 2000. He could have written in 1999 for all Exactly. We know. He might have but been, he been more precious. So yeah. he predicted, basically predicted the attacks. from. Unbelievable, right? I know. I had to show it to you. Um, I want you to watch this next bit of footage on 9-11 because you're not allowed to share it anywhere else. Can't share it on Facebook or Instagram. It'll get censored for violence or wrong think or whatever. Um, you can share it on X because Elon Musk owns it, and you can do it right here on Rumble. And it's something that I and I watch every year just to remember September 11th. But before we get to that, I want to thank you all for joining us in the trenches tonight. Um, don't forget to to like this video. That means everything to us. Subscribe to this channel. It's 100% free. It will always be about you. Go to officialshawnparnell.com. That's the website. Rolled out this new apparel company called called Battleground Apparel. We've got Do Not Comply shirts on there. We've got Never Quit, Never Surrender shirts on there. Battleground Apparel Company is an apparel company for American citizens who love this country and believe America to be exceptional. All that is on officialshawnparnell.com. Again, subscribe to our Rumble channel. It's it's completely free and will always be live right now right at five o'clock Monday through Friday. So we look forward to seeing you there, but can't watch this footage anywhere else. Um, And I want you to watch it in honor of September 11th today. Let's go ahead and roll the tape. Jim Friedel in Hoboken uh, said it appeared to back sharply and mm. smash directly, perhaps purposefully, into. Oh my goodness! Oh God! There's another one. 
Oh. Oh my goodness, there's another this one. This seems to be on purpose. This is as close as we can get to the base of the World Trade Center. You can see the firemen assembled here, the police officers, FBI agents, and you can see the two towers. A huge explosion now, raining debris on all of us. We better get out of the way! You mentioned that you saw people on the road outside of the building. Explain that scene. I, I saw um, there's maybe about 30 or 40 people uh, covered with bandages and blood. It looks like a lot of them were either on the floor of one of the exchanges. There's actually, oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! We're not sure exactly what happened, but it was another explosion on the far side of one of the buildings from where we're standing. The, ver the, the reverberation and another explosion on the right-hand side. Another building has gone... Another building has gone up on the right-hand side of the road. People are now running down the street. That we are. I want you to take a look at what's happening yeah. right now. So, that is a live picture. That's, World that's a live Center. picture too. That's World Trade Center Two has just collapsed. That's the second oh my God. to collapse. Just a you moment ago, the entire top of the building collapsed. You can see a massive plume of smoke. People are running away from the area. There are firefighters and there are police trying to evacuate the area as quickly as possible. People who are near the area are in an absolute frenzied situation. The entire top of the building just collapsed. You can see the plume of smoke is coming in our direction. Let's get out of here, Ralph. We're going to leave because the smoke is coming right at us. Never forget the fallen. Never forget the heroes who rose up to defend this country and those American men and women who never came home. Never forget the first responders who stormed into those flaming buildings to save people that they had never met before. Never forget their heroism and sacrifice. Never forget the families who were affected in the wake of 9-11 and those who lost loved ones. Never forget them. And most importantly, help your children understand what that day means. You know, so many kids have, you know, traveled around the country and for the past 20 years talked about 9-11, 9-11 and serving this country and, and what that was like. And every year that goes by, 
our children are further removed from it. It's almost to the point where it's a page in a history book. But for those of you all who are watching this and listening to this, it's so much more than that. As we talked about on this show, it changed our country in a million ways. And you should make sure your children know what those ways are. But even more important than that, make sure they understand the sacrifice of the first responders on 9-11 and all those civilians who lost their lives that day and the men and women of this country that rose up to defend America in our hour of greatest need. So for thank, thank you all so much for watching tonight. It's a tough day for all of us, of course. Um, God bless you all. Never quit. Never surrender. Thank you for being in the trenches with us. God bless you all, and God bless this exceptional nation that we call home. Take care. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.